Many in the world are familiar with the American dream. We've grown up hearing about it, the possibilities, the promises, and maybe now more so about how it's under threat. Now, for a lot of people from South Asia, the Gulf region represents a bigger dream. For even though it's a clearly defined work-led relationship, in other words, migrant workers come here to work, the region has served as a springboard to a better life for millions of families. Every year, hundreds of thousands of migrant workers leave South Asia for the Gulf region in the hope of escaping poverty and providing a better life for their families. Remittance earnings help drive economic prosperity by contributing to the home country's foreign exchange income, but they also help transform the local economies of their towns and villages and result in higher indices of social welfare. I've been to districts in Kerala and Tamil Nadu in southern India, and Rajasthan in western India, where the signs of social mobility are clearly visible. You can identify the houses that have been built with Gulf remittances, as they stand massively and sometimes ostentatiously next to shelters, for lack of a better word, that barely have a roof. The Gulf houses in these villages were proper houses that had been constructed with brick and mortar, and would have a kitchen and a toilet inside the house, while the non-Gulf houses would be significantly smaller. Do we have a sense of how small they were? I would say about three meters by three meters. I mean, really small with a rudimentary ceiling made out of corrugated material that was often asbestos. There would be a sort of kitchen arrangement outside of the house. And then, obviously, no bathroom or toilet. No. So the Gulf Dreams are a very real catalyst for changing people's lives. Young women and men in the Gulf, who are typically employed as labourers, domestic workers, cleaners and security guards, save up to build or renovate their homes, send their children to school and university, and buy them toys and books that they might never have been able to own. They also save up to purchase motorcycles, television sets, and smartphones. But sometimes the dream doesn't work out. A heady cocktail of debt, despair, and destiny can sometimes really dash all those dreams. From Amea Media, this is Karama Sutra, chronicles from communities we've grown up with. I'm Benita Bhardwaj. And I'm Chirag Desai. Suresh Kumar is a 52-year-old tailor from Kerala, India. He left India when he was 18 years old. He's been in the Gulf for 34 years and has worked in Saudi Arabia, Oman and the UAE. By his own admission, he wasn't academically bright or particularly ambitious. So when he was 18 years old, he moved to Bombay, and his friend told him to join a company in Saudi Arabia. So this is the bit where destiny kicks in, because after a few months, his employer wasn't able to pay his salary. Suresh left Saudi Arabia for Oman, where he once again found himself working for a company that couldn't pay him his salary on time. He finally ended up in Ajman in the UAE in 1990, and he worked as a helper to tailors where he picked up basic tailoring skills. As the eldest child and only son, he also had the additional responsibility of financing the weddings of his three younger sisters, which in Indian society can be quite an extravagance. 
यूए दुरम्स कभी आपको वापस दे दिया पचास दुरम ट्वेंटी फाइव दुरम में Gulf migrants have the dubious distinction of having to live up to these expectations of the foreign return multiplying his estate just because he left the homeland. And these expectations can often be far from the realities of their actual earnings, which can set people off on a misinformed journey of debt. And this journey, more often than not, starts right at home. The cost of recruitment forces migrant workers to sell their land or livestock and anything else they might own or borrow from banks and moneylenders. These fees alone kickstart their debt cycle before they even land in the Gulf. Agents in their homelands are known to charge potential job seekers fees that include the true costs, such as for their passports, air tickets, insurance, medical fees, and paperwork, but also unspecified and unlisted line items, such as commissions and bribes. Labor laws in the Gulf countries prohibit employers from transferring recruitment costs, but this doesn't apply to agents who then take advantage of desperate job seekers. The International Labour Organization broadly estimates that each Asian worker in the Gulf is likely to have paid, on average, one thousand dollars more than the true recruitment costs, which workers should not be paying for anyway. One estimate placed the amount that South Asian workers are paid in bribes in their homelands for Gulf jobs at fifteen billion dollars. And the cruel irony of disproportionate exploitation is that the poorer the worker, the larger the payout, and the more likely they are to be deceived about their job prospects. main aspect is to have a better life as the neighbor a neighbor went to gulf he has a better life so that what is happening there are unscrupulous agents many places and there some of the area i know that detail about india some of the area their life cycle start with the debt living with the debt going back with the debt and taken debt from the india again when they went for vacation coming back here to repay the debt so they are in the cycle of debt that's kv shamsuddin who's been a resident in the uae since 1970 i arrived in dubai by a ship immediately i went to sharjah still i am living in sharjah now nearly 50 years when i reached my relatives house in dubai i have seen two persons they came to dubai in 1955 after spending about 15 years here they decided to go back to reach the home back they need 1000 dirham at that time unfortunately both of them are not having that much money so they were waiting some help from some people when i see the pathetic condition of these two person i was trying to find out why it happened so so i understood one thing they were sending money and family back home not understanding their situation they are spending everything and they keep on demanding after 50 years i am seeing the sit- same situation in expatriates he runs his own business but is a familiar face in the south asian community as someone who has championed financial literacy among migrant workers he's a regular on malayalam radio channels and also organizes several workshops that encourage saving and teach the fundamentals of investing yesterday night i spoke to one person and uh, he said 
he had a commitment of 50,000 dirhams. But the problem is, he is in a, a troubled situation because a check bounced. So it, there is a police case. So there is a travel ban. He cannot go to India. He has money back home. He can get money from there. He can solve the problem. He is running a business. His wife, she lost job. And she helped many people when she had money. When he she is asking for the loan given to some of their friend, they are not paying back. At least if they are paying back, his problem could be solved. These are the situations happening. How do you explain bad luck in people's lives? The cases that we hear sometimes involve people who say, how can we save if we don't pay we are not receiving a salary. How do you advise people in those situations when they're just, nothing is working out for them? The thing is, I never believe luck and bad luck. Hmm. The opportunities keep on coming. For example, this lady, given the money without any kind of guarantee to others and all the money, Never do that. Never do that. When we have money, we first we have to take care of our side. Then only to take care of others. So that is a mistake happened. So some of the things are happening because of the our own judgment. Judgment. Or lack of. Yeah. L- lack of assessment. Right. We have to assess the merit and demerit. So According risk to assessment. The, you know, for example, this case, he needed 50,000. If a person has 50,000 in his hand, giving that 50,000 to this person, it is not the right thing. Tomorrow, same thing may happen to him. This gentleman told me yesterday, I can pay back without any difficulty and my business also good business. And uh, when I start again, there will be business I can repay very easily. You've been here 50 years. In your time here, have you seen things, the, the awareness becoming worse or better? When I come here, the number of Indian exporters are less than 100,000. Today, 3.4 million. In the UAE? In the UAE right. alone, if you see. Yeah. And the profile of people coming here improved a lot. I came across so many youngsters. They are coming to me, husband and wife. Sometimes they want to start some investment, but they are not coming to invest. They are coming to meet me to solve their financial problem. They Initially, they will say, we are bringing about 30,000 or 25,000 every month to home. We both are working. But we had uh, 150,000 or 200,000 loan. Now we don't know how to escape from that. Simple reason I tell you. If a person come over here, first he will try to get a driving license. The day he get a driving license, immediately, immediately he will go to a car showroom, book a car. Similarly, everything like that. They want imitate others and follow his friends or relatives how they are living. 
they never thought of I, whether I have enough financial capacity to follow them. That is a problem. In 2018, South Asia received over $130 billion in remittances. That's more than any other region in the world and almost twice the inflows to China. More crucially, over $16 billion is from the small savings made by thousands of low-paid migrant workers, mostly male, in the Gulf. But these savings come at an enormous cost of separation from their families, who more often than not are completely oblivious to the emotional weight carried by their men. When I expected to come over here, the family back home, they felt from today we will be having a luxury life because my breadwinner is in the Gulf. So they will start to change the lifestyle of them. So when they live here, the expatriates, two, three things they are missing. Their family they are missing. The life they have with uh, family members that also missing. They have no relation with wife, children and everything. They are not getting love and affection. More on that after the break. quick message from Aleph Collective, a caravan sarai for South Asia and the Muslim world. Aleph Collective and its storytelling initiative, Kissa Go, will be presenting a traveling festival that will mark its inaugural edition in Dubai in 2020. The festival will cover everything from art to ecology and tech to theater, along with film, food, music and literature. The team is reaching out to you, the community, to join them and become a part of the festival. You can show your support and see yourself represented by reaching out on Instagram at Aleph Collective Official and Kisago Official. That's Q-I-S-S-A-G-O Official. Welcome back. You're listening to Karama Sutra, chronicles from communities we've grown up with. I'm Chirag Desai. And I'm Vinita Bhadwaj. Before we return to the story, we have a small favor to ask. If you're enjoying the show, we would really appreciate it if you could please give us a rating and take a couple of minutes to post a review. It helps us a lot as more people discover the show, which ultimately drives our purpose to bring you more of these stories. Now, before the break, we heard from KV Shamsuddin, who's been working with migrant workers about financial planning and breaking their cycles of debt. You know, what's interesting is that in the Gulf, it's a lot of bachelors who come to work from yeah, South Asia, yeah. especially India, Pakistan, Sri Lanka, yeah. etc. Even though you mentioned that they come here to support their families and they're missing their lives, they're missing their wives, they're missing yes, their families. Yes, If a person gets married, first two, three years, wife will send a letter, why can't you come over here? Stay with us, whatever we have. When the life passed, 10 years, the same wife tell him, when I'm getting leave, that is enough. After 20 years, same wife will tell him, don't come very fast. Here the life will be difficult. After 30 years, means when a person 50, 55, then the wife will tell him, don't come now. You stay some more time. 
What struck me in the interview with Suresh was how, in spite of all of his debt and despair, he was absolutely certain that he did not want to return home. He actually did not want to be with his family. So I asked Shamsuddin about it, and he didn't find it unusual at all. When they are living here like a machine, they are working as a money-minding machine. No relation, family relation. So it is giveaway. It is the broad gap is happening. In the case of this gentleman, the person you met, he had a house. It is 75 years old. I have seen the photo of the house. Very pathetic condition. And after living so many years, he couldn't uh, repair or, or rebuild a house. When he go back, there is no income. That is very important. He is spending, at least sending to the family, at least 15, 20,000 every month. When you go, he needs that much money. That also there. Majority of the people have this problem. That is why I'm telling any person living here, if it is Indian, Pakistani, uh, Bangladeshi, or Ceylon, or from Philippines, every, all these countries has these kind of investment opportunities. If they say 20% of the earning for their future, they'll be having excellent life when they return back. But they're not thinking about it. What is stopping them from thinking? Why don't no, they think the, about it? Lack of knowledge. They don't know any information. I had a chance to get to talk this subject to Filipinos. Uh, and there are some uh, Sri Lankans. They never heard about they have these kind of opportunities. And they were thought of, if they're not doing this, we'll be in trouble. They're just like a uh, mechanical life they have. That earning, spending. They're spending, uh, sending some money to their family. Some they're spending here. That's going on. When they're going to the end of the life back home, then only they realize that will be very late. Many people are starting business. When they start business, there are so many aspects. Starting a business is very simple, but the running is very difficult. They can sell the products, but the money will come after four months or sometimes six months also. So he must have enough money to run the business. Secondly, if a person is starting a business in smaller way and growing its, its own, it is okay. But when they start the business, they want to grow so fast. So what they will do? They will try to get money by loan. Very difficult to get a new business to get bank loan. So they will use credit card. They will take a mini credit card. The interest for the credit card is 40%. Four zero. 40%, yeah. Two and a half percent, two percent monthly. If the compounded, are they getting 40% return when he sell a product? Will not be. Suresh's debt cycle kept growing over the years. At some point, he decided his best bet was to set up his own tailoring shop. Bear in mind, he was not on firm financial ground, but he had to borrow more to fulfill his golf dream. 
It didn't help that he was never a part of the formal financial sector and could not access loans from banks. So he really had no choice but to borrow money from private lenders, which is illegal. Between trying to set up his own tailoring shop and the emergencies back with his family in Kerala, it didn't take long for his 19,000 dirhams, or about $5,000, to balloon into over 100,000 dirhams, or $27,000, with the extortionate interest formulas that illegal money lenders apply. It was heartbreaking to hear him talk about his life, and it's a question he repeatedly kept asking. What kind of life is this? had a best time, 2006, 7, 8 and on. What happened? Everyone is taking and lavishly spending money. Then they are not in a position to pay back to the bank. So there will be pressure from the bank. And many suicide was happening here. The number of suicide, once upon a time, it reached its peak among Indians. At that time, I started one initiative called a Sandhunam, means compassion, we can say. People, those who are in the situation, they can call me to ask their situation, to find out their problem. Sometimes they want to cry. Uh, normally, from the society, what is getting, always they criticize such people. Why you took all the credit card? Why you take such a loan? Why you spend money like that? It will be deteriorating their situation, whereas I never accuse them. I will try to find a solution for that. Maybe thousands of people call me after 2006 asking so much of aid. And not only that, when I announce that, so many people come forward, like psychiatrists, psychologists, social uh, SWP qualification, such people. Then all of them were ready to help such people. But a majority of the people calling me are the segment of had a problem of the financial. Now, when they call you for help, what sort of help do they expect? Help, all these issues can be solved. If a person, I have one experience, a person has a 200,000 loan. 13 credit card. Mm. He said, I was drawing about 25,000 dirham. I was getting salary plus incentive. Total 25,000 he was getting. Once these people started pressuring him, mm. he cannot work properly. That was a problem. Then I told him, you do one thing. From tomorrow, you go and meet all the banks. Tell them, I was a person getting 25,000 salary including my incentive. Now it reduced less than one-third. So this situation, it is impossible for me to pay. But if you give some relief, extended time to pay back, I will work, I will get peace of mind, I will pay, definitely I will pay. When he approached all the banks, nine banks, out of 13, nine banks agreed to extend it. Today, it will happen in 2007. 
today this person is running a in food industry in ajman he left his job started his own he got married his daughter and is living very happily here this is the situation everything have a solution if god is creating one problem there will be one solution also that we have to find out so uh, my experience is nothing impossible we can solve all the problems now the issue is earlier it is a one man is doing all these things today our population here is a huge i trained about 96 people to do the same thing when i conduct a program for a group i will tell the next time don't invite me one among you has to do the same thing this process the process of expatriates coming here going back it is a ongoing process every flight landing in gcc countries there will be newcomer for the new job every day flights from gcc countries landing all the regional countries each and every flight there will be people going for good it is a ongoing process so this kind of guidance is needed all the media and all the social organization must educate their own community on the need of financial discipline planning need of saving and need of regular investment to have a enough financial capacity resources to have a regular income when they return back is it worth it to come out here already in debt just to come out here uh, is one, that dream worth it and uh, now the thing is for example when i came here about 75 80% of the people are unskilled and a good number of laborers now when i visit labor camps number of indian laborers are very few in number compared to before that change is taking place some of the government is taking initiative to recruit people professionals like skilled people without taking any charge and there will not be any kind of uh, uh, what we are seeing otherwise these uh, kind of things also we have to educate to the people never go this kind of uh, uh, agents don't pay money for uh, such things that is the thing because unless getting a proper education it will not stop it will keep on continuing that is a present situation and how about Suresh does he think that the dream was worth it well i did ask him that and his response to be honest was that he would have stayed back in india so where is suresh now ara dukan fi ajmaid bustan luluwara Suresh now works and lives in his small tailoring shop in Ajman. He specializes in making traditional clothes for Arab and Balochi women. However, he has remortgaged his house back in India to pay for his new lease here, and in spite of all the cards that life has dealt him, 
he maintains that he's now in the right headspace. He spoke with me a few days back. He was saying with us so confident, I will repay one ETH time is enough to cover everything. And is talking to me with this so much happy. That is a situation. You know, these kind of things every individual can do. This episode of Karama Sutra was hosted by me, Vanita Bhardwaj, and produced by me, Andrew Agdesai, who also edits the show. With support from Abhishek Venkata Subramanian, Sukena Kazmi, and Zainab Ujaini. Special thanks, of course, to Suresh Kumar for sharing his story, and KV Shamsuddin. We'd love to hear your thoughts on this episode. You can connect with us on Instagram at karama.sutra. Karama Sutra is part of the Amaya Media Network. You can find all of our episodes for free in Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, and Angali. We'll be back on the 8th of April. Until then, have a great month.